This is a podcast of the Church of Indian Lake. Good morning, everyone. I'm Chip Johnson, another one of the pastors here. The Allisons are away, uh, spending time with family. Actually, they're on their way back from Texas, and so we are thinking of them as they're traveling this morning. But I'm delighted to be with you this morning and have an opportunity to share with you the first Sunday of Advent. How many times in our life, uh, in a day, a week, a month, do we say the word hope? Things like, I hope Vandy beats Tennessee. (laughs) 45 years old, and I've not learned my lesson yet. Every year, I, I think, this year, this year. Vandy's, I mean, for two years, we, we had some sort of a flute going on here in Nashville, but yesterday the universe returned to balance and Vanderbilt once again snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. So that's something that I have often said I hope will happen. Uh, sometimes we say, I hope that I will lose holiday weight. I told someone the other day I was trying to lose some holiday weight and they said, how many holidays did you celebrate? But uh, so, you know, those are things that we, we hope for and kids, you're going to go see Santa Claus soon, I bet. And you probably have a list of things that you hope that he's going to bring you. And so we have this word hope that we use a lot in our lives. And perhaps there's a, a better word that we really should be using after today, because I think that hope in the context of what we read in the Bible and what we see revealed to us through scripture is much more meaningful than the way that we use the word hope. In fact, I would, I would challenge us that perhaps the word that we really should be using is the word wish when we're talking about those types of things, like I wish that I would get this, or I wish I would get that promotion rather than hope. And I'll, I'll help you to draw the distinction. I'm going to probably commit a, a preacher faux pas, and I'm going to tell you all of my points right at the beginning of the sermon. Another hope you might have is that I won't be long-winded today because you've got kids. I won't be. We'll be out of here early. I promise you that. And so as we look at, at the, the first thing that a wish is versus hope, a wish is based off of our desires, but hope is based on God's desire for us. Also, a wish is something that is based off of human promise or assurance, but true hope is based off the promises of God. A wish is the foundation for folly and disappointment, as I was reminded yesterday after 60 minutes of football. However, hope is the foundation of faith. It is the place where we learn how to have faith in God. Hope is what got the Israelites across the Red Sea. It is what allowed them to stay in the wilderness for 40 years, eventually to cross through the Jordan with dry ground beneath their feet. Hope is what allowed them to march around the walls of Jericho and the walls fall down. Hope is what allowed them to be able to do those things because God had promised them a promised land. And so as the Israelites were were marching across that Jordan River, I'm sure that they probably were looking around them with the water up on both sides and there was a little bit of wonderment in their life but it was the hope that had gotten them to that point. Hope is also what allows us to be obedient in our lives, whereas a wish can often lead to disobedience. And finally, hope is what separates us from the world, but it is also the one thing that can unite us to the world. 
In a few moments, we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to hear a couple of stories from the Bible, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And the reason why I like to to look at the Old Testament is because it points us to Jesus. The whole Old Testament, if if you read through it and you look at it, it's not just a bunch of stories that don't go together or don't mean anything. They help us to understand the reason why Jesus came into this world. They help us to reason, uh, help us to know the reason why we celebrate this time of the year, why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so if, you, if you've got your Bible, the one that uh, we have in the back that you might have with you right now, we're going to be looking at page 339, Psalm 119. And Psalm 119 is a very uh, interesting book to me for a couple of reasons. One, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible, Psalm 119. If you've ever turned through it, it's several pages. But because of the fact that today is Family Sunday and there's a lot of children here, it's also kind of a neat psalm to be reading from because it is the original alphabet game. Have you ever played the alphabet game when you're on a trip? He said, I'm going on a trip and I'm going to take an apple. And then the next person says, well, I'm going on a trip and I'm going to take an apple and a banana. And then an apple, a banana, and a cantaloupe. And an apple, banana, and a cantaloupe, and a whatever starts with a D. And you keep on going through the alphabet. Well, King David, when he wrote this psalm, was using the alphabet, the Hebrew it was called the Aleph Bet, not the alphabet, but it used the first letter of every word in this section of scripture started with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And so if you ever are wanting to know what the, the alphabet is, you can just open up your Bible to Psalm 119 and you can learn Hebrew one letter at a time. Uh, but we're going to be looking at the seventh letter, Zion, starting in verse 49. Verse 49 says this. Remember your word to your servant. You have given me hope through it. This is my comfort and my affliction. Your promise has given me life. The arrogant constantly ridicule me, but I do not turn away from your instruction. We'll look back at this here in just a little while, but this is David expressing some thoughts to God, talking about hope. And hope is revealed throughout scripture But one of my favorite Old Testament stories is that of David. You see, David had a very interesting life and a very interesting way that he came about being the king of Israel. Saul was the first king of Israel, and he had uh, been very humble at the very beginning, but that changed shortly thereafter, and he did some things that were disobedient to what God had told him to do, and God turned his back on King Saul. And so God spoke to Samuel, who was the priest of that day, and he said, I have turned my back on King Saul. I want you to go and anoint another king of Israel. And so Samuel went to the house of Jesse, as God instructed him to do, and he showed up at the house of Jesse, and he said, bring before me your sons. And so Jesse brought his oldest son, and Samuel looked at him, and he prayed to God and said, is this the one that you would want me to anoint? And God said, no, not this one. And so the next son of Jesse came before Samuel and God once again said, Samuel, no, not this one. And this happened a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh time. All of these sons came before Samuel and every time God said, no, this is not the one. And so Samuel looked around 
and he didn't see any more sons. And so he asked Jesse, are these all of your sons? And Jesse said, well, no, there's the youngest. He's out tending the sheep. His name is David. And Samuel says, send for him at once and bring him to me. And so David came in from the fields, a young boy, very ruddy, and uh, he'd been outdoors. He was weathered, but he was handsome. And so Samuel looked at him, and I don't imagine that he looked very keenly to Samuel. But God looked inside of David at his heart, and he said, Samuel, this is the one. Anoint him. And so Samuel took oil and poured it over David's head and anointed him to be the next king of Israel. Well, you would imagine at this point that David might have said, okay, take me to the palace. But that's not the way that it worked. David went right back into the fields. He went right back to doing the same things that he had always done. And he was just going about his normal everyday business. But a little while later in David's life, even though that he had heard God's desire for his life, he had heard it when Samuel anointed him king. He had heard a a promise, but it wasn't time. So David was operating off of hope. Hope that this would one day come to pass because God had promised it. So one day later, Saul is being troubled by an evil spirit and he says, I need someone to come and soothe this spirit inside of me. And one of his advisors said, I know of a young boy who plays the harp. And if he plays the harp for you, perhaps that will help. And so they sent for David, the harpist, and David came to the palace, not as king, but as a harpist for the king. And he played his harp for King Saul, and it did soothe him. You can imagine that David might have been sitting there thinking, you know, he's in my chair. That's my throne he's sitting in. But it was not time. And he had the hope, and he knew that one day that this would be his kingdom, and this would be his palace, and that would be his throne. But on that particular day, it was not the time for him to step into that role. Well, a little while later... Goliath came calling, Goliath, the giant of the Philistines, and he would taunt the Israelites every single day and say, who will fight me? Yeah, I know, veggie tales, it's influenced us all. (laughs) And he would say, who will fight me? And he would make a promise to the Israelites that if the Israelites defeated him, that the Philistines would be their slaves. But that if he were able to defeat whoever came to fight him, that the Israelites would have to be the Philistine slaves. And so every day he would come out and he would taunt the Israelites and the Israelites were scared and they would run and they would hide. Well, one day the young David is bringing some supplies to his brothers at the battle lines. And at first he's, he's just there. He's delivering the supplies. He's saying, Hey guys, how you doing? And all of a sudden he hears Goliath come out and taunt the Israelites once again. And so he starts to ask, who is this guy? this uncircumcised Philistine, that he would come here and that he would make fun of us and that he would challenge us and that nobody is going out to stand up against him in the name of the Lord. And his brothers heard him and they were not pleased with the fact that David was asking about the battle. And so they, they ridiculed him and they chastised him and said, are you just here to, to watch the battle? Why don't you go back and take care of those few sheep you have? I imagine that they were a little jealous that God had chosen him to be king. He had been anointed in front of them and he 
was the one who had been given the promise of being king of Israel. Nevertheless, David said, take me to King Saul. And he went to King Saul and he said, I will go out and I will fight this giant. And Saul said, young man, you you have no business doing this. But see, David had hope. He had hope in his heart because God had taken him through battles that had helped him to learn to have faith, a foundation of faith in his life. And he said, when a bear would come and attack the sheep, I would go and I would rescue the sheep from his mouth. And then when the bear would turn at me, I would kill it with my bare hands. And then another day, a lion would come and it attacked the sheep. And I went and I rescued the sheep from the mouth of the lion. And I, in in the God's power, was able to destroy that lion with my bare hands. This giant will be no different. God will deliver him into my hands in his name and he will be glorified by it. Let me go and do this. And Saul realized that David had a faith that was not going to be altered and that he was going to be obedient to what God had called him to do that day. And you know the rest of the story. Stones from a brook, he put one into a sling and he slung it at the lion, the lion, the, the giant, and it hit him right in the forehead and the giant tumbled to the ground. He defeated Goliath that day. Later, Saul would make him a a general over his armies and and David would go out and take the Israelites into victory time and time again. So much so that Saul became very jealous of young David. So much so that he began to plot to kill him and even attempted to kill him on more than one occasion. So here is David. He knows that he's supposed to be king. He has a hope. He has this promise that God has given him that one day he will lead the Israelites, but he fears for his life and he goes and he runs and he hides from Saul because he knows that it's not the right time. And so Saul searches for David and one day David is hiding in a cave. David, anointed to be king, is hiding in a cave and Saul comes into the cave and doesn't know that David is there. And he gets so close to David that David is able to walk up to him and to take a knife and cut a piece of his garment off of his cloak. And he goes back into the cave and the men that were gathered with him said, why didn't you kill Saul? He was right there. God delivered him into your hands. And he said, that was not the time. And so even though David was the rightful heir to the throne, David had every opportunity to kill him. He had motive because of the fact that Saul was trying to kill him too. He knew it was not the obedient thing to do. He knew the obedient thing was to let Saul be and let God deal with him. And so Saul walked out of the cave and after he was a safe distance away, David came to the mouth of the cave and said, my father Saul, and he called him father. That was very interesting. My father Saul, look, you came into my hands today and I could have killed you, but I instead just took a piece of your cloak. And Saul looks down and he sees this corner of his garment missing. And he repents and he says, oh, my son David, how foolishly I have acted. Well, that didn't last very long. Soon after that, Saul was on the hunt again and looking to kill David. And so David one night sees Saul asleep in the camp and he goes down And he takes his spear and his helmet from beside of his body as he's laying on the ground sleeping. And he goes a safe distance away and he calls out to Saul and wakes him up and says, Saul, I once again had an opportunity to kill you, but I have not. I have spared your life because it was not my time to do so. That God would deal with you instead. 
and Saul once again repented. Soon thereafter, it was time, and God took Saul into battle, and he did not survive. And at that point in time, David finally was able to step into his role and fulfill the hope that had been in his life for all these years, fulfill the purpose that God had had brought him up to do, which was to be king of Israel. Now, Israel had been very divided during the time of Saul, very fragmented. And when David became king, if you look back in history, you'll read that it brought the kingdom together. So the same hope that separated David from Saul was also that same hope that brought the kingdom of Israel together. And that ushered in a brilliant time of prosperity for the Israelites. If you study the the history of Israel, the time of King David and King Solomon were some of the brightest, most uh, abundant times for them. And they were serving God during that time. And so hope is what allowed him to be able to do that. But David is not the reason why we gather here today. David is not the reason why we have salvation. David is none of those things. There's another man who is. And he grew up in a very modest household. He was born into a a, a family of a carpenter. But yet he lived a sinless life. He lived his life until adulthood. And then he began a ministry at about 30 years of age. His name, of course, was Jesus. And that ministry ultimately led to the death of Jesus. But if you look at all of the things that lead up to that, then you understand hope truly revealed in the scriptures. We started in the Old Testament. We're gonna jump back even further all the way to the book of Genesis because in the beginning, from the very beginning, from before there was an Adam and an Eve, God had a plan. God had a plan for every single one of us. And God's plan was that when sin came into the world, and we all know how that happened, Adam and Eve took of the fruit that they weren't supposed to take of because they were tempted by the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And sin came into the world, and it was not a moment where God was, oh man, they screwed up, now what am I gonna do? No, God had a plan. God had a plan for every single one of us. And even as early as Genesis 3, you begin to see Jesus being prophesied. 324 times in the Old Testament, Jesus is prophesied about. And in the New Testament, all 324 of those prophecies come true. God had a plan. He had hope for us. He had a desire that every single one of us would come to know him, come to know him in an intimate way, that we would have salvation through him. Not just a desire, he had a promise. He said, if you will believe in me, and confess your sins, I will save you through Jesus Christ, my son. He had a promise that he gave us. That promise is what enables us to have a foundation of hope that leads to our faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ being able to be that savior. And that same foundation of hope is what allows us to be obedient when we would just as soon turn our backs and be disobedient. That hope is what allows us to separate ourselves from the ways of the world, but it's also the same hope that unites us together. You see, Jesus, as he was going up, he had a hope as well. He didn't come to this earth without knowledge of what God's plan was. Jesus came to this earth 
so that he could save us. That was his hope. He also had a hope and a promise that he was going to once again return to the side of the Father, to sit at his right hand and to be with him forever in heaven. He had hope. He had a hope that led to his ability to be obedient. Obedient through his whole life. And it's not because he wasn't tempted. We read very clearly in the Bible that Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are tempted. Yeah, even that way. The way that just popped into your mind. Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are, but he remained sinless. It says that Jesus, even on the day of his crucifixion, prayed to God, if there be any way that this passes, could pass from me, please take it from me, Father, because it is a huge burden. But he was still obedient because he had hope in his heart. On that day when he was crucified, the curtain in the temple was ripped from top to bottom. And there was a separation that occurred, a separation separating sinful man from those that are saved. But yet Jesus' blood is what unifies us. The hope of Jesus in us is what brings us all together. That hope is what allows us to come together as Christians. In Christian community, on days like this, where we come into a house of worship and we lift up his name, but it's also that same hope that we should be taking outside of these walls. It's that same hope that we should be taking on Christmas morning down to to people who feel forgotten. It's the same hope that we should be taking into the workplace, the same hope that we should be taking into our family to those that are in our household or in our family that aren't saved, that don't know that good news, that don't know that hope. This is an amazing time of the year, Christmas seasons. We have four Sundays where we celebrate Advent and the four different topics that you'll be hearing about are hope and love and peace and joy all of them pointing us to the birth of Jesus. It's an amazing time. We've allowed society to cloud what we think about this time of the year with so many things. And those things aren't wrong. I mean, presents, who doesn't like presents? Shopping, I don't like shopping, but some people enjoy that kind of thing. But there's things that we have allowed ourselves to do and be distracted by And God is asking us this morning to remember that hope. To remember that hope that allowed David to patiently wait for his time to come into kingship. The hope that allowed Jesus to be patient and allow his ministry to be mature. 30 years old he was before he stepped into that full-time ministry that God had prepared for him. 30 years old. Most of us are impatient to wait three minutes for something. 30 years. There's hope for every single one of us. God didn't just have a plan of salvation before the beginning of time. He had a plan for you and me. Every single one of us in here, there is a plan that God has for us. And we can have hope in that plan. Hope in knowing that he is watching out for us and he is preparing a place for us. This morning, we're going to have an opportunity to respond to this message of hope. We're going to sing a a familiar Christmas carol this morning. Jennifer and Aubrey are going to come and lead us in, O come, all ye faithful. If you would stand to your feet, please.
during this song, if God has spoken to you this morning and you'd like to pray with someone, we're going to have folks along the back wall that are waiting to pray with you. Maybe God is speaking to you for the very first time. Perhaps you walked in this morning and you've never opened up your heart to God before. Maybe today is the day that hope is going to be planted in your heart. Hope is going to be ready to help you through the next challenge in your life. Coming to know Jesus does not make our challenges go away, but it's the hope that we have in him and in tomorrow and in the future that allows us to be able to face those challenges. If you're that person today who is hearing that message for the first time, go and pray with one of these folks back here. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to ridicule you. They're there to make sure that you understand the hope that is Christ Jesus. If you would like to take communion this morning, it's been prepared at the front and the back. There won't be further instructions about that. You can take it as a family or with friends or just by yourself, whatever you'd like to do. Once the uh, song begins, you can go and take, take that communion at that time. I'll come back in a few moments and we'll uh, finish up this message and we'll dismiss you. But take this time, take this time to truly, truly allow God's hope to penetrate your heart. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake.